Well, good morning, everybody. Are we excited? Oh, Sean has a beard. That's awesome. Great beard. There you go. Beardedgospelman.net. That's right. How many of you saw on Facebook yesterday that I asked you to bring umbrellas to class today? Do you? Cool. Show me your umbrellas if you brought your umbrellas. Take them out. Open them up. <clears throat> open them up. We don't believe in bad luck. If you believe in bad luck, you need to come tonight. Wow, Justin Harness. That thing has got some spectacularly awful artwork going on there. That is great. Um, those are some interesting. What is now, Bree? What's on yours? What's the yellow thing on yours? No, no, no. The yellow thing on the other side. Oh, it's the strap. Okay. So we've got Hello Kitty. Justin Harness for the record has some uh, really. Oh, it's a butterfly. Yes. Some days I wish we videoed the Sunday school classroom. Uh, Miss Julie has polka dots because all things must be polka dotted at our house. Um, massive, good gracious, Dave's table has the golf umbrellas, right? You're ready to cover 19 people. Um, we've got all sorts of things now. I need you to give me, need you to give me your honest opinion. What do you think about mine? You like mine? I like mine a lot. Some of you are going, what in the world, where are we going with this, right? Yes, so today we start, thank you very much, you can put your umbrellas up if you like now. Today we start a new Sunday school series called Ordo Salutis. <clears throat> That's Latin, don't worry, it's as much Latin as we're going to do today. Uh, if you're a note taker, your first blank on your handout, it means the order of salvation. And this is a thing that's been studied for a long time. This term has been around for several hundred years. Um, and basically what it is, is taking a look at all the individual components of salvation and studying each one individually and seeing how they fit in the whole. The basic premise, <clears throat> and different theologians have had uh, ordos over the years. This is uh, John Bunyan. Anybody know who John Bunyan is? What did he write? Not Paul Bunyan's brother, though. No. <laughs> I knew somebody was going to say something. He wrote a fantastically wonderful little book called... Pilgrim's Progress. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, please read Pilgrim's Progress. It's amazing. Uh, this is his. Sometimes Ordos, you see this line going down the middle? Sometimes Ordos will show the uh, salvation path as well as the damnation path. So you can see kind of both sides of where this thing goes. Um, modern theologian uh, Challies, uh, this is on his website. He's extremely reformed, as in he might be like a six-point Calvinist, if they had another point. Um, so there's different things that are included and not included. So somebody tell me why in the world that an umbrella could be useful for this study. Anybody know? I think about salvation as what takes me from one place to another place and keeps me safe in the process protected. For me, an umbrella is a pretty good uh, analogy of that. And what happens is many of us, in our view of salvation, have some gaps. There's some things that may be missing just a little bit, right? And some of you are going, yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. That's kind of weird. I, I, think, I think my version of salvation is pretty good. I'm like, okay, you might. Yours, yours might, in fact, be better, right? 
you've got a little bit more going on. Some of you are going, how many umbrellas did you destroy in the making of this Sunday school lesson? Just two, don't worry. So some of us uh, have maybe a few more things that we're aware of, what God's doing, how this whole thing works together. Like, okay, all right, that's cool. Some of us have umbrellas, and we are, come here, and we are passionate. We are pa- come here, Liam. Come here. We are passionate about taking as getting as many people under the umbrella. Now we're going to go over there. Getting close. Getting close. We're going to go over here. Getting as many people under the umbrella. Absolutely. As possible. Thank you, guys, very much. And some of our umbrellas are worn because we have used them and used them and used them and trying to gather people in and trying to gather people in. And here's the, time, the kind of umbrella that really scares me. The kind of umbrella that really scares me is I said a prayer and I've never opened it up. The tag's still on it. It's never been undone. You, you couldn't even attach it to anything because it's just not used. Okay? So there's all different types of umbrellas. There's umbrellas that are just a mess, right? And we need to fill in some gaps here. And that's what I want to do with this series is take a look at how big salvation is and all the different components of it. And some of you are wondering right now, so Jim, are we going to take a, and I know this is exactly what you were thinking right as you walked in Sunday school, are you going to be taking a reformed or an Arminian view of this process? Right? That's instantly what you're thinking. How many of you are thinking about this? Anybody? No. Yeah, Dave is, right? Of course, because Dave is. Um, so my answer is yes. We're going to look at both. We're going to look at both sides because they're closer than you think, maybe-ish. So uh, for each series that we start, we have some knowledge objectives, so we'll look through those. This is what I want each one of us to get out of this series. The first is uh, be overwhelmed with the breadth and love of God's salvation. Breadth, B-R-E-A-D-T-H, bread, T-H. The breadth and love of God's salvation. I want you to walk away every single week going, good gracious alive. This thing is massive. This thing is amazing. He thinks about me way more than I thought about what was going on here. Number two, understand more fully the terms related to salvation. Now, some of you noticed the wonderful artwork on the wall over here, right? I described this concept to Rachel Samsel this umbrella, and I gave her some theological terms, and this is what she came up with. I was like, that's pretty cool, right? Um, So you've got all these things that are covered in this space. Uh, Several years ago, and I've loaned the book to someone, so if someone has it, I'd like it back. Uh, uh, Several years ago, we did a Masterwork series, and it was really the only one that I ever liked, and it was Tony Evans' Totally Saved. And somewhere in there, he used the word umbrella, and it kind of got me thinking in this this process and this thought, this idea. And he had, I think, six or seven things that we studied in that however many week, eight week series. But there's a lot more than that. And I remember thinking, but he left this out, and he left this out, and he left this out. So we're throwing everything into this series. It'll take us all of October, November, and December to look at the components of salvation. So Be overwhelmed with the breadth and love of God's salvation. Understand more fully the terms related to salvation. Increase awareness of widely held perspectives. I'm not going to try to sell you on one or the other, okay? There's Arminian, there's Reform, there's Catholic, there's several different. 
Uh, number four, articulate God's role in what God has done, is doing, and will do in this space. So there are um, four basic divisions of an ordo, and Bunyan does a good job of his. Uh, so you've got the, the saved and the unsaved. And on the saved side, there's this part that man does, and there's the part that God does. On the unsaved side, there's the part that man does, and there's the part that God does. So each, of, each side has a role to play, no matter where we are in this process. And then number five, articulate my role in what God has done, is doing, and will do. So you say, Jim, this sounds unbelievably boring. How many of you are nervous right now that this is going to be really boring? A little bit? I'll be honest. Really? Thank you, Julie. She's got her hand up. I appreciate that. <laughs> Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Yes, it is. All right, so uh, go to Romans chapter 8 for me for just a second. I'll tell you who kind of kicked this concept off. <clears throat> this concept of certain things happen in a certain sequence, and it may behoove us to know what those things are. Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30. No, we're not going to read verse 28. We're leaving it alone. It's been used and abused too much. I may talk about it tonight, but not this morning. Romans eight twenty-nine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called, and whom he called, these he justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, how many of you think, from those two verses, you could put the order that those things occur on a timeline? Those topics. You think? Okay, so, just so you're aware, Paul put them in order, in the verses, so this isn't a ridiculously difficult assignment. You, you could probably put these in order, right? Albert, you think you could do that even at 9 o'clock in the morning? Think so. You think so? Awesome. How many of you think you could look at that list that's up on the blackboard and put those in order? It's a little trickier there. It's a few more components. And that's actually about two-thirds of the stuff that we're going to talk about in this series. There's actually several more. So there's several components of this. Uh, the Wikipedia quote, some elements are understood to occur progressively and others instantaneously. Furthermore, some steps are within the order of salvation are performed solely by God, while others involve humanity. So I've got a schedule in my version. I didn't put, did I put the schedule in your version? I did? Good. Awesome. So in the month of October, we're going to look at the commencing part. And this is the only alliterative work that I'm going to do. Don't worry, Dave. I've got to have some alliteration. I'm a Baptist, good grief, you know. It's in the Baptist manual somewhere, right? I think it is. So when we think about salvation, if I say the word salvation, what do you typically think about? Do you think about what happens before the moment of salvation? Do you think about the moment of salvation? Or do you think about the process after the moment of salvation? How many of you are like the moment of? It's like, well, yeah, I prayed the prayer that day. That's when I placed my faith in Christ. Is when I repented of my sin. The moment of. All right, well, we're going to break it up into three different chunks because there's a ton of stuff that goes on before you came to the realization that you're a sinner and you need to accept Christ. There's a ton of stuff that occurs right then. I mean, it's amazing. And there's a ton of stuff that happens afterward. We'll spend October looking at all the before, we'll spend November looking at the moment of, and we'll spend December looking at everything after. Does that make sense? 
Okay. So here's a couple terms that we'll be looking at. And this isn't on your handout. I just want you to listen through. These are the terms that I've identified so far that are somewhere in this series. And I've provided a two-word definition of each. I'm trying to keep this incredibly succinct. All right? Foreknowledge, God foresees. Predestination, God bounds. Election, God chooses. Sin, man misses. Atonement, God fixes. Propitiation, God satisfies. Evangelism, man shares. Conviction, God pricks. Calling, God draws. Repentance, man turns. Faith, man believes. Conversion, God changes. Regeneration, God rebirths. Justification, God decrees. Redemption, God buys. Adoption, God fathers. Reconciliation, God restores. Sanctification, God morphs. Mortification, man kills. Evidence, man works. Perseverance, God keeps. Eternal security, God secures. And glorification, God perfects. So that's from the beginning. I know it's not from the beginning. It's from before the beginning. Dang it, don't let me say the beginning. Don't let me say the beginning. It's before the beginning. All the way through until after the end. Is that how you say that? I don't know. When it's all over the end, and then it's just the beginning. It's wonderfully complex in English to try to describe this. So that was my definitions for each one of those terms. These might change a little bit as we know, learn more about them. I haven't done the entire study yet. I've done the study for this week. So I reserve the right to change my mind based on what the Bible says. How's that? Does that sound good? Cool. Awesome. So let's look at the first two. <laughs> let's look at the first two words. Predestination and foreknowledge. <clears throat> Predestination and foreknowledge. You ready? Here we go. All right. Foreknowledge. The short definition is God foresees. The long definition is foreknowledge is God seeing things happen before they happen. So does anybody have a problem with God knowing what's going to happen before it happens? Everybody pretty good there? This is generally one that the vast majority of Christianity is going to adhere to. There's not a lot of problem here. We kind of just chalk this one up to God's really smart, right? Most people chalk it up to he's really smart. I like to chalk it up to God created time. He has no problem knowing when things occur and what exactly is going to occur at any point during the thing in which he created, right? Okay. So here's an example of this. Um, let's do this one. So I've got a piece of paper that I just wadded up. And I'm going to throw this piece of paper at Doug. Doug, I'd like you to try to catch it, okay? And try to catch it. All right. You ready? There's no trick here. I'm just going to toss it to you and try to catch it. He caught it. That's awesome. Did God... That's right. Fantastic. Thank you. Golf clap. Golf clap. That's right. Did God know Doug was going to catch it? Yes. Okay. How many of you thought Doug was probably going to catch it? So this doesn't seem to be very complicated, does it? Did, did this seem to be very complicated? Not really, right? This is kind of simple. Okay, let me try again, Doug. So, his foot stuck. Oh, is this gonna is this gonna injure you in any way, shape, or form? Okay, all right. I can't have you telling people you got hurt in Sunday school. This is that's a hard one to sell, right? I mean, Daryl's going to be like, what are y'all doing in there? That's okay. Don't worry about it. All right, now, 
I'm going to drop the piece of paper this time, Doug. <clears throat> okay? Where's the paper going to land? Probably straight down. It's going to land on the floor, right? Where on the floor? No, 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 no. Exactly where. I want you all to do the math, figure out what the surface area of this is, calculate the, calculate the wind as it impacts. Daniel's all over this, right? You got this? All right. So Daniel, you have degrees in what? Just so, so we're all aware that you're probably the most qualified to actually do this. He's got degrees in mechanical, what kind of degrees in mechanical engineering? He's got everything, right? If it can be had, he can have it. So I want you to come up here and help me for just a second. <laughs> so that's far enough. That's far enough. I don't want you to disturb the results. I want you to tell me exactly which square this will drop into. I'm going to drop it. I'm just going to let, all I'm going to do is open my fingers. Okay. That one right there. You've got to get more specific. I want you to put your piece of paper on the square that you think it's going to land in. All right, we ready? Oh, I was wrong. He was wrong. Now, now, let me ask you a question, guys. How, in the complexity of the entire world, for all of the things that are going on in the entire world, how complex is this? You're like, it is, but it's not, right? I mean, we're not putting a man on the moon, right? Thank you very much, Daniel. I appreciate your efforts. <clears throat> Even if you were wrong, that's okay. Um, does God have any problem knowing exactly where this is going to land? No. So here's what I want you to get with the foreknowledge concept. Is that even something ridiculously simple... That one was closer, wasn't it? So which part of the tile is it going to land on? Which way is it going to be facing up or down or sideways or left or right? Is it going to open up as it goes down? Is it going to open up when it hits? This is a one piece of paper, all we're talking about. We cannot predict one piece. I do not know for certainty what one piece of paper is going to do. And God knows it all. Okay? God knew how many hairs I lost when I trimmed my beard this morning getting ready to do this exercise. He knows how many hairs Justin has on his head that are gray. Right? Boom. How many that are in the process of turning gray? How many are in the process of turning loose? Um, how many are in the process of whatever? Right? And he knows this about the entire world, the history of the world, the world right now, the future, and he knows where all those pieces of paper are falling. When the towers fell on September 11th, do you remember the documentaries? The towers fell, and they didn't find computers and paper and stuff and staplers, what'd they find? Dust. Because it just turned to dust. Think about predicting where every grain of dust, is it grain of dust? What is a dust particle? Particle of dust would go in that scenario. Not a problem for God. Not a problem. We're not even close to overloading him. I have an iPad 1 that I teach from, right? Are there things that I can no longer do with this device? Yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff, right? 
I think it's got iOS 5 on it. Okay? It becomes quickly outdated. It quickly fills up its capacity, right? God's capacity is never full. Julie's computer is having trouble right now. It overheats. So I put a little program on it that says how uh, much utilization the CPUs are putting out at any given time. And these little things, they just peg out constantly. And I was thinking the other day about how God's CPU utilization monitor never pegs out. He's good. He's got it. He's got plenty of bandwidth. There's no problem. Last week, I called EPB and I said, I want you to change me from 50 megabits per second to 1,000. God's is unlimited. You can't fill up his bandwidth. This is foreknowledge. He's got that. He knows what's going to happen. Does this make sense? One piece of paper, we can't get it right. He's got the whole history of the world. All right? Much bigger. So, predestination. How many of you are worried what I'm about to say about predestination? How many of you have no clue? You're like, I don't know where he's going to go with this. All right, predestination, God bounds. Predestination is actually a surveying term, okay? Predestination is God marking the boundary for all who will be saved. It's marking the boundary. So in first century, this word would have been used for, all right, I need to build a house. Great. Well, we're going to mark the boundary. You remember when we did uh, our last series? We talked about God placing us in a position of security. Remember this? And we put Dave Barber in the Green Meadow time because this represented where, where God was. You remember this, Dave? Yeah. All right. So let's just pretend that before the foundation of the, the whole history of the world, God marks off. This is what... If you are here... This is what salvation looks like. Now, a lot of people think that predestination is this. Predestination and election. Dave, can I borrow you for a second? Sure. They think it's God going, oh, 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 I'm going to put Dave over here. Predestined. Boom. When literally, the word itself has very little to do with people. It has to do with the boundary for this particular truth. He is bounding salvation. Now, what are the conditions for salvation? Thank you, Dave. What does it take to be saved? Jesus, right? Repentance and faith, right? Put my faith in Christ. I turn from my sin. These are the boundaries that God laid out before the beginning of time, before he created man for salvation. Does that make sense? All right, so there are three Greek words that encompass both of these terms. They may be used wildly differently for you in your version of the Scripture. So the first is the word generally used for foreknowledge. It's uh, prognisco. Uh, which verse did I put on your handout for Strong's 4267? How many of you know what Strong's numbers are? Uh, it's not really uh, muscular words. It's not what that is. Uh, it was this guy named Strong, and he wrote a book called A Concordance. It's uh, the OCD man's guide to being OCD. That's what it is. Um, it is a listing of every word in the Bible, okay? Every word in the Bible. 
and where that word occurs with a reference. Now, Strong went one step further. He also assigned a number to every word and a number to every Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic (laughs) word so that one could study where this word occurs throughout the Scripture. Okay? Does this make sense? So this is, we're going to look at each one of these words as we go through this series backward. We're not going to Google where does foreknowledge occur in the Bible. No, 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 no. Where does prognosco occur in the Bible? Because that tells me all the places. And it may or may not be translated that word in your version of the Scripture. So if you, you go and you look up these verses and you go, well, my, my translation doesn't have that word. Okay, sorry. The root of it is still there. Very consistent. So what verse did I put for your... Romans 8.29. We already talked about this one, right? For who? For, <clears throat> for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So this word for prognosco is to foresee or to know before or to foreknow or to predestinate. Some of you caught that. Some of you caught that the definition for the word foreknowledge also included the word predestinate. Really? Yes, they are extremely connected, extremely connected. Um, how many of you, does anybody have a coin on them? Like any change? We have a, any change? Anybody? Nobody carries cash anymore? It's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. You got some cash? Awesome, cool. Oh, here we go. We've got a quarter. All right. How many sides are there to a quarter? There are three sides to a quarter. Yes, there are. Uh, the edge is actually a side. Um, thank you. I, lear- I learned a tremendous amount about you right there. Thank you, Drew. Um, how many sides are, do we typically say there are to a quarter? Two sides to a quarter, right? There's a heads and a tails, right. How many sides does it take to make a quarter? Can you just have the head side and it's a quarter? You kind of got to have both sides, right? Because that's what a quarter is. Yeah. So predestination and foreknowledge are two sides of the same thing. It's the knowing and the bounding. If there's a boundary that implies some will be here and some will not. As soon as the boundary is drawn, God knows the answer. Before the boundary is drawn, God knows the answer. That'll keep you up at night. Work through that one, right? Um, can I keep the quarter? Sure. No, I'm not going to keep your quarter. Thank you. <laughs> Two sides to the same thing. So let's look at the next word. The next word is Strong's 4268. This is uh, prognosis. You ever heard this word before? Yes. yes? What does prognosis mean, Amy? Diagnosis. It's the diagnosis, yes. In Greek, it means the foreknowledge, the forethought, or the prearrangement of a thing. You're like, well, that's different. Yep, it is. Some words keep their meaning exactly when they pour it over from another language. Some words really do not. The root word for this word is the word we just looked at. Okay? What verse did I put in your handout for this one? First Peter. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. So, foreknowledge, forethought, prearrangement. Next word, Strong's 4309, proorizo. Sounds like something you could add to an Italian salad, doesn't it? 
I'll take some proorizo with that, yes. Um, <clears throat> this is the, sorry, that was, that's what happens when I don't write the jokes out in, ahead of time. They come out really awkward like that. This is the surveying term. You can write your notes. This is the surveying term, to predetermine, to decide beforehand. Because when you, serve, when you pay a surveyor to do something, you're paying him to mark off the boundary so you don't mess up, right? So that you don't build on your neighbor's property, so that your neighbor doesn't build on your property, so that everybody knows where the line is, right? Does this make sense? Would you consider it to be an important thing to know where the line for salvation is? Yeah, that's, that's a really important thing. Theologians for hundreds and hundreds of years have been trying to make this as simple as possible so that anybody can get it, and Jesus was awesome at it, um, exactly where the boundary is. So to predetermine, to decide beforehand, to foreordain, to appoint beforehand, to limit in advance, to mark out boundaries in advance. So what's the verse I put there? Romans 8, 29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, so that's the first word that we looked at, he also bounded out to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, him whom he bounded out, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Um, look at Ephesians 1.11 for me. I don't think I put that one on your handout. Ephesians 1.11. This was the big aha for me this week because I didn't realize predestination and uh, foreknowledge were so connected because the words in Greek are root words of each other. It's amazing. What's Ephesians 1.11 say? It's a complicated verse, isn't it? There's a lot going on in that verse. Read it again for me, Darla, real loud. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Does that make you feel good about the chosen part? Chosen. Okay. If you're a Christian, does it make you feel good about the chosen part? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Chosen. That's awesome. Being predestined according to the purpose or according to the will, right? So, does this make sense so far? I'm getting a couple strange looks. Yes, Doug? I've got a little different version. Yes, please do. Interesting. It says, in Christ we have been claimed as God's own possession since we were predestined according to to the one purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel. Yeah, there's only about 740,000 ways to translate this verse because each one of the Greek words means about 14 things. So all those combinations mean a whole lot of different variation in the translations. It's unbelievably difficult, this one, this one particular verse is. But the phrase I want you to focus on is the being predestined. The being predestined. So... <clears throat> You say, Jim, what does all that mean? All right, I'm going to try to put it in a paragraph for you. The understanding. That's where I'd like to get to. God knows everything. Right? We got that. 
He knows everything that will happen. Foreknowledge, you may or may not have this sentence. Foreknowledge and predestination are inextricably connected. From the Greek perspective, three words encompass both concepts. Before time began, God's knowledge spanned all of eternity. How many of you are thankful that I make the blank length correspond to the length of the word so you can guess ahead of time? You like that? Yes. All right. God's foreknowledge spanned all of eternity, and God laid out the boundaries of salvation so that all who are inside are saved. He laid out the boundaries of salvation. Now think about this. Any good architect, any good architect, before they actually construct something, will have a what? A plan, right? God's the master architect. He created all things. He dreamed up everything. He dreamed up the concept of gravity. Imagine that, right? That, that things would work in such a way that we could consistently engage with our environment. That we wouldn't just all of a sudden whoosh, be swept off the earth and thrown out into space and we all suffocate. Hey, I'm glad for gravity, right? He, he laid out the concept of salvation beforehand so that things were going to operate in a very specific way before he even creates the universe and creates the earth and populates it with people that he will love despite the fact that we turn our back on him. Does this make sense? Yeah? No? You with me? There we go. Some reaction. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. So there's a boundary that is laid out. Now, next week is what? Election. Yes. This is the trickier one. This is the one where we talk about who's in, who's out, when did that occur, why does that occur that way, and how much choice does a man have in this process or not have in this process. So lots of fun stuff with next week's words. I'm looking forward to it. But this week, the big connecting concept is the foreknowledge and the boundary work together to create a plan before God got started. Does that make sense? Cool. Ordo Salutis, week one. We've got 11 more to go, I think. So I'm excited about this series. So at your tables, there should be a handout with uh, blanks on it for your names and for prayer requests. So if you could... Uh, fill that out. Make sure everybody that was at your table's name is on that piece of paper. That'd be great. We do need to put the chairs up today, so if you could help me remember to do that, that would be wonderful. And uh, thanks for coming today.